بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا ما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والفعل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير يا وهاب يا وهاب يا وهاب يا فتاح يا فتاح يا فتاح Dear respected elders and brothers, mothers and sisters, and listeners, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, most gracious, most merciful, who's gathered us here tonight, once again between two Farad Salah and in His house. And we ask Allah Azawajal the way He has hand chosen us to be here and to be listening wherever we are. Similarly, that He hand chooses all of us to enter the highest levels of Jannah for those. And to be protected from the hellfire. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal that He in every step hold our hand and guide us to that which is most beneficial for us in this world and the next. As, it, as always, we, we renew our intention that we're here to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we are here to l- listen with the intention of putting into practice whatever good we hear as well as propagating whatever we can to others. And we also ask Allah Azza wa Jal that in this <clears throat> hour that we have together, and as we study verses of the Qur'an, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to hear such things which we all need to hear, and not what we want to hear, but rather what we need to hear. And then we ask Allah azza wa jal <coughs> that He then inspires us to practice on that. Ameen ya rabbil alameen. Last week we covered, at the end we ended off with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that He is capable of showing him all of the punishments that they, the kuffar have been promised. And it is out of just the rahmah of Allah on Rasulullah And by virtue of him upon this ummah, that he is not bringing about the punishment as rapidly as he had done so, he has done so in the previous nations. Indeed, we are, all, we are well able to show you the fulfillment of those promises of punishment. We can show you while you're present. But we're not going to do that. I reminded you of an ayah in the Quran in the ninth juz, Surah Al Anfal. Allah Azza wa Jal says, Allah Azza wa Jal will not punish them as long as you are amidst them. And Allah shall not punish them as long as they are seeking forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I, we talked about how ulama say that the Rasulullah's presence, just like his presence was a barrier from the punishment of Allah to fall upon the ummah, similarly the presence of his sunnah will also be a barrier from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's wrath falling upon us. And Allah's wrath comes in many different ways. Qul huwa al-qadir, say, huwa Allah is al-qadir, capable of, ala, upon, capable of doing the following. And yab'atha alaykum, to send upon you, عَذَابًا A punishment مِنْ فَوْقِكُمْ From above you. أو مِنْ تَحْتِ أَرْجُلِكُمْ Or a punishment from underneath your feet. أو يَلْبِسَكُمْ Or to make you into groups. وَيُذِيقَ بَعْضَكُمْ بَأْسَ بَعْضٍ And to make you taste each other's wrath, each other's uh, you know, strength. أُنظُرْ كَيْفَ نُصَرِّفُ الْآيَاتِ Look at how we explain the verses of the Qur'an in so many different ways. لَعَلَّهُمْ يَفْقَهُونَ So that people can comprehend. So here in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning that the way the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes is in many different ways. And many times we don't understand how punishment of Allah is coming. 
but it is a punishment. Adaba min fawqikum, adab from above. Scholars say adab min fawqikum could mean uh, stones that are being thrown from the heavens, uh, a shower of st- rocks and stones, hail. It could be fire. It could be an, a meteor, uh, you know, asteroids or meteoroids c- coming towards us. It could be natural phenomena that has come. Then it could be, of course, bombs that are thrown upon a person from the top. And then it also can mean, فَوْقِكُمْ could be in the, in, the, in, the, in the form of a oppressive tyrant ruler. فَوْق, he's on top of you. That's an adab of Allah. أَوْ مِنْ تَحْتِ أَرْجُلِكُمْ Or it could come from beneath you. Beneath us means, of course, natural phenomena of uh, earthquakes, mudslides, um, you know, where the earth opens up and swallows someone. Fawqikum, you could say avalanche as well. Tahtarjulikum, these huge sinkholes and floods of all sorts. This is all tahtarjulikum. And it also can mean in the form of the ruled class. Rebelling and protesting to a degree that it causes massive chaos because they're below the ruling class. They're beyond, they're under the feet. So you could take it in the form of natural phenomena or you could take it in the form of this whole political crisis where you have oppressive rulers or you have a group of people who are ruled or citizens or ruled whatever it may be and now they are becoming angry and, and they choose to rebel that also is a problem at times the outcome of it is not good not always is good then or to make you into Shia Shia means a group Shia'an is a plural meaning many groups And after making you into many groups, make you suffer the might of one another. This is also a punishment of Allah. Because many times a person thinks that natural phenomena is also you know, just due to global warming. And global warming of course is our own fitna that we have caused upon ourselves. But Allah Azza wa Jal... He has ways of punishing people in many different ways. What we, what we are all praying right now for safety of Pakistan. That it doesn't fall into utter chaos. Lights, I've been told, lights, electricity, internet have been shut in many parts. And Allahu A'lam, you know, what, what awaits ahead. But this can definitely, you know, spiral out of control. And you're studying this ayah and you see how Allah Azawajal mentions this actually in the Qur'an. Groups fighting one another. Or the ruling class oppressing the, the ruled class. Or the ruled class standing up and, and saying enough is enough. All of these things, this, this, this is a fitna. These tensions, when they erupt, massive problems can happen. What has 12 years in Syria have done? What has happened to that country? What has happened to the vast majority of the people? 
We're back under the, into, as you see, and been voted in, back in with the rest of the world's, or the Arab world's countries this week. 10 years, 12 years, 12 years. SubhanAllah, how many millions have died, millions have been hospitalized, and how many millions are, are critically injured, crippled for life, uh, you know, billions of loss of economy, homes, this, that. So when we are faced with these situations, a person needs to, what do ulama say at this time? When you're going through these type of things, a person needs to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and increase in dhikr, increase in dua, bring the sunnah alive. This is why I went off on this whole discussion here. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah will not punish you as long as you, Allah will not punish you, this ummah, as long as the Prophet sallallahu is amongst them. And your ulama said, the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu is also something that's going to push away the adab of Allah. We should try our best to encourage ourselves, our family members in times like these to frequent the masjid even more. To recite La ilaha illa and subhanak inni kutub min al-zalimeen. To, to have halaqat of Qur'an out loud reciting Qur'an. Those who cannot recite Qur'an then thousands of salawat upon the Prophet Whatever it is we can. Sadaqah. Repenting from major sins. That Ya Allah please do not allow utter chaos to happen here. Because that will be a huge loss for millions of people. So Allah is telling Rasulullah I am capable of showing you the fulfillment of this. But naturally, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not choose to do so. You may have heard there's a masjid called Masjid Al-Ijaba. In Medina Munawwara, Rasulullah made three duas. <clears throat> Some of the duas got accepted. Some of the duas didn't get accepted. Ya Allah, do not allow my entire community to be destroyed by a natural disaster. So that dua got accepted. Do not allow a oppressive ruler to come and kill all of them or destroy them all. And Ya Allah, do not allow them to get into groups and fight one another. That dua did not get accepted. So what we see today, factions everywhere. Anywhere you see the work of deen trying to happen. When I travel, see that in masajid, see that in communities. As soon as you arrive at the airport, that's what they say, brother, this don't have much hope from our place. Too much fighting. Boards, communities, non-stop. 10-15 years, you don't see progress. Why is that? Because of the continuous, uh, non-stop bickering and fighting amongst each other. And you wonder, how can everyone be so bad? Like every, these are not people on the streets. These are people building a masjid, running an Islamic school. Why? Why? And what's the answer? Where does it come from? From shaitan. Let's move on to the next ayah, right? That's what he's talking about. The next ayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about Hamazati shayateen before we go there when you see people under the influence of shaitan doing something bad to you how should you respond to them repel their evil doing with that which is best in the sight of Allah pardoning and overlooking their harm we know well that they are falsely ascribing to Allah we know well all that they falsely ascribe to Allah and his messenger this is a teaching of Rasulullah, a teaching of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran. Multiple places, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this. He says, uh, in the ninth juz and in the 24th juz, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that when you are tempted 
When shaitan, this is very interesting. When he stirs you up, riles you up, then seek protection in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the accursed shaitan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all hearing, all knowledgeable. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that when you, when you stand up to give da'wah, when you stand up to speak the truth, what will happen? All the time when you speak the truth, the people who don't want to listen to the truth will rebel against you. And they will attack you, attack your integrity, say things that are hurtful, and so forth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, let me read from you 24 juz. وَلَا تَسْتَوِ الْحَسَنَةُ وَلَا السَّيِّئَةُ The good and the bad cannot be equal. Good and the bad. Someone's acting mean, someone's acting nice. Can never be the same. أَحْسَنُ Look, it's similar to this ayah here. Repel that through that which is much better. When you repel evil with goodness, فَإِذَا الَّذِي بَيْنَكَ وَبَيْنَهُ عَدَاوَةً All of a sudden, that individual with whom you had enmity, all of a sudden he will become your best friend. This is the Qur'an saying, wali, lover, caretaker, uh, provider, you know, the one who's, who's, who stands by you. Hamim means someone who is very passionate about taking care of you. Hamim, hamam, hot water, where you take a bath, it's called hamam. Hot water, bath, hamim, hot water. Why is this friend being called hamim? Because like when you take a hot bath with hot water, blood rushes to your face, your face becomes red when you come out of the hot bath. Similarly, this friend will become such an amazing friend that if someone were to attack your honor, his face will become out of anger for you, red as the one who stepped out of a hot bath. Subhanallah. What descriptive words the Qur'an uses. He's not a normal friend. He says, okay, you can attack my friend, whatever, I know him. He will stand up to defend you. And he cannot take anyone attacking your honor. He will get angry in order to defend you. This is the man who previously hated you. Who didn't like you. Adawa. Adawa means enmity. And Allah didn't say, oh, he was a little, you know, on the other side. No. Enmity was in between you. Like imagine you have a mountain of enmity. You're on one side and he's the other side. That's the relationship you had. Between him and you was a big mountain of enmity. But all you did is you repelled evil with goodness and everything changes. Why don't we study these verses of the Quran? Then our marriages will be very nice. Our stay at home will be very nice. Our relationships will be nice. Understand what is the Quran teaching us? That these are things Allah speaks about in the Quran. Now when does this... Is it easy? Yeah, we said, brother, I already heard this tafsir, okay? <laughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, only the ultimate patient people will be given this gift. To be able to control their anger and repel evil with goodness. And only the very lucky people. Hav means share. Azim means great share. Only those who have a great share, only those who won the lottery will be able to do this.
Meaning you have to win the lottery to be gifted with this. This is, you're very lucky if you have the ability to repel evil with goodness. And if shaitan chooses to stab you, whisper within you something, what should you do? Seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Indeed, He is all hearing, all knowledgeable. Now, these are ayats 34 to 36 of Surah Hamim Sajda. But the ayah before this, which I didn't read, now I'm reading now, ayah 33. Who is better in speech than the one who invites towards Allah? وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا and does good deeds. وَقَالَ إِنَّنِي مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ And then he, sees, he says, I am but just from amongst the average believer. I'm just from amongst the Muslims. Meaning, inviting towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to cause problems for you. When you speak the truth and invite towards Allah, all of a sudden you'll see people hate you. But what did I do wrong? That's what you did wrong. You're inviting towards Allah. You're inviting towards Salah. Reality is, if you go, out, if you go everywhere and you, you, you smile with everyone, you know, you just smile with everyone. No one's going no to get upset at you. Show up at every wedding, show up at every party, give gifts to everyone, be nice and wrap nice things and this, that. Mashallah, you'll be beloved to everyone. But you stand up and you say, brother, this is actually wrong, you know, by the way. Now you see what happens. If you correct someone who's doing something wrong, all of a sudden, by why are you spending your money in this manner? Why are, why are you? You know, of course, not in a critical manner. You're simply helping them. You're advising them. People don't like advice. But you know what? It's not about what you like. We have to do what we have to do. Nahi anil munkar is not your option, your choice. I'm not advising you because you asked me to do so. And you're not advising me because I asked you to do so. That's our responsibility. Nahi anil munkar is our responsibility. Prohibiting from evil is our responsibility. Otherwise, imagine if someone is playing with the you know, fire extinguisher, someone is lighting matches in the front row, and you say, Bhai, esa don't do this. Brother, I didn't ask you to advise me. He might say that. You say, no, I don't care if you ask me or not. I'm going to give you a couple more you know, t- tries to stop. Then we'll call the police or call someone else to drag you out from here. Because you are not fit to be in the masjid if you're trying to light a match here and cause a fire. Why are you getting so passionate about it even though he's not listening? Because it's about all of our safety. It's not about you. The whole world doesn't rotate around you. It's all about our safety. So if you don't want to listen... We're going to have to take this into our hands. When a person does disobedience of Allah, then the wrath of Allah descends upon all of us. If every man, his own adab would come upon him, then okay, then you, you, if you want adab of Allah, go for it. But when, when one person misses his salah in the house, the evil of that not only affects the people in that home, ten, ten homes in all sides are affected by one person not praying salah. As some of the ulama have mentioned. From all directions, all directions, the nahusa and the evil of missing prayer is being spread. So when a person in his house, you have a sibling or someone else not praying, a spouse not praying, imagine what type of nahusa is coming in the home. Now if you try your best, like some people who are reversed, live with non-Muslim parents, okay, for example, you're giving them da'wah, or people who live with brothers and sisters who don't pray, you tried once, twice, thrice, with mahabba, with love, you're trying. And you never give up and you, don't, you feel guilty about it. Inshallah, Allah will protect you from the harm. But if a person has an attitude of, I don't care who prays and who doesn't pray. My job is to worry about myself. That's not the deen. I'm sorry. That's not the deen. Deen never taught us to be like that. Allah Azza wa Jal has mentioned 
You're the best of people. You've been taken out for the benefit of people. You've been sent for the benefit of the people. How do you benefit people? What are the things? How do we benefit people? The biggest number one benefit is that al-ma'roof. You encourage them to do what is good. Push them. Push them to do what's good. Ma'roof. So, you know, we're going to be speaking about some of these topics, inshallah, in the retreat. But one thing interesting here is Ta'muruna bil Ma'roof. Allah didn't say, command them to what they want to be commanded to. Because I feel that's what's happening right now. The whole idea is, let's take it easy. Everyone, you know, let's just take it easy. When it comes to the matters of deen, we'll just, you want to, you know, we want to pray one? Pray one. We want to pray none? Pray none. It's, it's free for all. Today is like, you know, they have in school no uniform day. So this is like no, this is how the whole world has become. Whole life every day is, there's, there's rules everywhere except for in Islam. Who said so? I said so. So you all can just, you know, clap, give me a couple gifts, and I go on my way. Because I have, mashallah, declared it for no uniform year for Islam. This is, what, this is what's going on right now. The people, even if they speak up, they speak up not at, what, at the level and invite people at the level that they're supposed to be invited towards. But super duper 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 watered down thing where you wonder, where's the, even the deen in left? You know? When you're trying to find the borti inside the biryani. There's no borti, there's no biryani. What do you say? Huh? Where is it? Not, it's just chawal. They call it, they say, goshki biryani becomes vegetable biryani. Right? When the, when, uh, when the, when the, when the, when the, when the meat pieces are gone. So subhanAllah, that's the deen. Where's the meat? Where's the meat, brother? Where's every... I mean, you live, you're telling me my life, I can be called a Muslim if I live anyway, anyhow. Christian, Jew, atheist, Muslim. All of us look the same, eat the same, talk the same, walk the same. It's just maybe a little few different ethnic foods. How, what kind of Islam is that? Where's the meat? How do, are we different from the rest? So when we invite people towards good, it has to be what Allah regards as good. What Rasulullah asked us, that level, not at my level or your level, there is that standard we have to get people to. Yes, if someone is weak, you don't say that uh, you can do whatever you say. Brother, you get started. For example, it's mentioned about Manatani, someone who was becoming a Muslim, but they told him, by in, in, in Islam, you know, as a Muslim, you can't drink this liquor and wine. That guy was an alcoholic. He said, what? I can't drink this stuff, forget it. So he said, I'm not going to accept Islam. When he heard about it, he got so upset. He said, why, are you telling, why did you say everything at one shot to this, these people? Let him get into the fold of Islam. Bit by bit, he could have slowly worked his way. So there's hikmah and wisdom we must use. You don't on one day give everything to everyone. So if a person has not a ha- no habit of praying at all, definitely we have to say, brother, at least let's start. That doesn't mean the other ones are forgiven. You have to pray five, but we've got to start somewhere. Okay, we're not going to say you're not praying the other four is forgiven. Let's not make him feel like that. People want to change. That you have to tell them what they need to do. Someone comes to me and says, here's my paper, Shaykh. I, need to, I want you to give me some edits for it because I want to turn in my paper and get 100 in the next couple of weeks. I should not tell them. It's khiana. It's khiana. It, I, I am, it's a breach of trust. If I tell them, mashallah, for you, this is good. Go ahead. And he walks away, comes back with a 70. What is he going to tell me? What do you think? Like I'm some mediocre, below average person that you said it's good? No, that, that's not what he came here for. He wants me to help him make his paper 100%. When people ask you about the deen, we have to give them the gold standard. I'm not at the gold standard. I'm light years away from the gold standard. Maybe so are you. 
But that's the gold standard. We have to try to get there one day. But we cannot water it down and say, okay, fine, forget what it is. Always keep the gold standard in front. That's why reading the stories of the Sahaba is important. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when, they, when the hypocrites were told to believe the way the people believed, Amina nas means Sahaba. That's the gold standard. And that's what we have to keep in front of us. And if we should not be inviting towards what we think is acceptable. So here you have, there's three places in the Quran. Fourth juz, ninth juz, 24th juz. And then also you can add here, 18th juz. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that when you repel evil with good, then not only do people change, but they become very friendly. And out of the four places this is discussed, if I remember correctly, at least three, it's directly linked with speaking the truth. When you invite towards good, and when you forbid from evil, you will face, uh, you know, pushback. We also get this from which small surah that we always talk about? Wal-asr. Wal-asr. Allah takes an oath on time and says, Inna fi khusr. Indeed, humanity is an ultimate loss. amanu, Except for people who believe. Amil salihat who do good deeds. Tawasaw bil haq and then invite one another towards that which is good. Watawasaw bil sabr and invite one another to, towards patience. When you speak the truth, people are going to push back. And when they push back, you need to be patient. So we should ask Allah Azza wa Jal to make you and I from amongst those people who don't shy away from speaking the truth, inviting towards the truth, with the hope that one day we ourselves will follow the truth. Like a father who smokes. He doesn't want his son to smoke. So he said, Berta, don't smoke, don't smoke. He said, oh, Baba, you smoke. He said, I'm, I'm addicted to this. You think I'm happy about it? I hate it. But I love you and I don't want you to end up in my state, pitiful state. So a person may be sinning, but he may be saying, I'm not proud of my sin. I don't want you to sin like me. That's why I'm stopping you. So that doesn't mean if a person is committing a certain sin that he cannot prohibit, it some, prohibit someone who is involved in that. As long as the intention is pure. That I'm stuck here. If I invite someone towards a life of virtue, maybe through the barakah and the sincerity of this person who repents or is saved from it, Allah will have mercy upon me. Allah says, نَحْنُ يصفون. We know very well what they are falsely ascribing to Allah and His Messenger. And what is that? They call him Sahir, they call him Majnoon, they call him all sorts of different names. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is consoling the Prophet that I am well aware of what they say. Moreover, say in dua, O Allah, I seek refuge. I seek refuge in you from the promptings of Satan's to do otherwise. And I seek refuge in you, my Lord, from their presence. These are very important ayat that we should memorize, make note of. Ayah 97 to 98 of Surah Al-Mu'minun. Surah number 23, as you can see on the screen here. Ayah number 97 and 98. Allahu Akbar. So in this ayah here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, telling, He teaches the Prophet The Prophet is ma'soom, protected from sin. Protected from the temptations. But yet he's teaching him that you need to continue to remain humble and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for protection. So now what about you and I? Who are not masoom, who are not mahfuz, 
We're not protected. We're not saved. We are sinful human beings that have sinned so many times every single day. Imagine how prone we are to the promptings and the whispers of shaitan. How, imagine how much emphasis we should give to this ayah and the ayats of, of this sort where we are taught how to seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the accursed shaitan. My beloved friends, a person cannot fight off the temptation and the prompting of shaitan himself. It's not a punching bag that you can practice against. There's no way we can protect ourselves. And Hamazat is shayateen. What is Hamaza? That Hamaza is like a, uh, a spade. You have an, an animal who is, you take a spade and you, uh, the, 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 the cattle rancher will have a whip that has got sharp sides to it that will make the animals move. Or some other type of uh, farmer may use this for his horses, etc., etc. This is what this word is referring to. It, uh, what an amazing, interesting word Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses for the waswasa of shaitan, hamazat. Ulama have mentioned that this is coming from the word hamaza. Linguistically, hamaza means to push with your hand. And from this, the word mihmaz is derived. Mihmaz hiya hadidatun takunu ma'arrakibi liddabati yahuthu biha ala sayr. Mihmaz is that spade that you use to make the animals move. So who has this in his hand? Shaitan. Shaitan's got this in his hand that he whips us with. Abab Socha, when that, when that hits an animal, how it rushes forward. Doesn't want to be lazy. Doesn't want to be at the back of the herd. Moves forward. Similarly, when shaitan gives you one of these things, you act as though you are literally being pushed, not by just a hand, but by a piece of metal with sharp edges around it. What's wrong with this guy? It's like shaitan is sitting on his head. Exactly, he is. That's why a person loses his tongue. He says he goes on a, you know, verbal diarrhea. He just starts saying crazy things. Today's men and women, if you were to take video or audio recordings of husbands and wives fighting, what is this? Not normal people. Last night they went out for dinner together. This morning they had breakfast together. And then the night they're going at each other like they are you know, World War III. What's going on? Why are you speaking in such a vile manner to your wife or to your husband? And this is a norm in our homes, unfortunately. Everything seems to be fine and dandy. And all of a sudden, you wonder, what's happening? How many people have gone on a vacation? Family vacation. Or rather, I should say, anniversary. And I have personally dealt with this. That's what I'm telling you. Anniversary, or honeymoon, or just a, you know, long what long a, a, a vacation after a long time and in the middle of it one day in two day in it was maybe they're fighting at each other like they've never done before cancel flights come back home cancel the cruise come back home 
Esa. Gusa. That's what happens. When, this is called the Hamazatu Shayateen. When Shaitan comes and just instigates you, pushes you, then you have no control. When someone pushes you over the, uh, you know, over a bridge, for example, and you might be able to hang on with a, with a finger. Akhir ma'ur yana say, Allah ne bachaya. Allah saved you. I happen, someone happened to be there. I actually know someone who told me, Allah, I'm sharing your story. He said he was literally, ready? Parked his car, did whatever he had to do, looking down, and he was going to jump from a parking garage to his death. And all of a sudden, uh, a lady happened to be walking into that parking garage. And he just was startled. And she looked up and said, what a beautiful day, isn't it? Subhanallah. And he got saved. He told me the story himself. So what are you going to say? Allah ne bachayna, Allah saved him. So similarly, all of these cases when we lose our tongue and we go on this very, very vile uh, attack on our spouse, our children, our parents, these are full attacks of shaitan. When if Allah, unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saves you, your marriage is done. Your relationship with your son or daughter is broken forever. Your relationship with your parents is broken forever. Your, your, relation, your business partnership is done. So every day we get these prompts. And they're not just little, you know, what about this? What about this? No, this is hamazat. It's not simply just as you go into the detailed word of mihmaz, you understand that this is a full solid push. Allah Azza wa Jal mentions, Alam tara anna arsalna shayateen al kafirina ta'uzzuhum azza. Do you not see? Alam tara, do you not see? Anna arsalna shayateen that we have sent the shayateen upon the kuffar. Ta'uzzum azza who are instigating them, pushing them. This vile speech that you hear from a disbeliever, an Islamophobe, online, on radio, on TV, uh, on, on the highway. What is this? There's someone whipping him. Says, come on, come on, come on. Go say this most vile thing to the Muslim. These are armies of shayateen that are pushing people, non-Muslims, because of their vulma, because of the kufr that they have chosen. It pushes them towards sin. So do you, do you not think we have armies of shayateen even around us? Maybe due to towards our iman and some level of piety. Definitely not to the degree that a kafir has. But if a person drinks alcohol, smokes drugs, involves in riba, eats haram, looks at filthy things, then what happens? He's also befriending the shayateen. And so they lead you in a never-ending, endless cycle of sin. You repent one day and sin nine days. Repent one day and sin nine days. And what's happening is that we have enabled the shayateen to say, we are a great spot for you to come and stay. Sugar brings out the ants. When sins brings out the shayateen. When they know, they sniff it. This guy, he's, he's sinning. They find it easy. What happens? Your immune system is weakened. When a person commits sin, your immune system against shayateen is weakened. That's why it seems so hard to give up. Why Ramadan, it was nice for us? For one thing, we weren't sitting anywhere near we are doing now. In terms of missing our sunnah, missing our salah, missing this and that. Number two, we were reading a lot more Quran and dhikr than we are now. Morning and evening du'as, this dhikr, that dhikr. All of that was helping us push away the prompts and the temptations of shaitan. 
So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to do so, my beloved brothers and sisters and dear listeners, to what degree do you and I need to start taking this serious and start begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for protection? Just like the one, I gave you example, who was, gonna, who was getting pushed over and he got saved, we say, Allah ne bachaya. No one else could have saved him. Similarly, the only one who can save us from these huge push, push from shaitan is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there are many words that a person can use to protect himself from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's mentioned in Hadith Abu Sa'id Khudri, Kan Rasulullah When the Prophet would wake up at night and to pray, Kabbara, he would say Allahu Akbar, يقول, and then he would say, Subhanak Allahumma bihamdik, kasmuk, jadduk, wa la ilaha ghayruk, the way we recite our thana, he would recite that. يقول, then he would say, La ilaha illallah thalathan. He would say, La ilaha illallah three times. يقول, Allahu Akbar kabira. Allah is greatest. He would say that three times. And then he would recite, أعوذ بالله السميع العليم من الشيطان الرجيم I seek refuge in Allah السميع the all hearing العليم the all knowing من الشيطان الرجيم from the cursed devil من همزه from his prompts prods like a metal you know you take a metal thing and you prod someone from the prodding of the shaytan وَنَفَخِهِ وَنَفَثِهِ and from his blowing and lightly spitting upon me نفث when you have a little saiva. Nafakh is when you simply blow. That is why the antidote to all of this is what? And what do we do there? We blow. Someone was just asking me, why do we, what's this blowing business? Well, that's what, <laughs> we, we understand. That's what shaitan does. Shaitan is coming, is blowing. So we blow back. We read, three times before we go to bed, and after every salah if possible, blow on your hands and wipe over your body. Because he's already ger- germ- you know, put germs on us. You know, imagine you have a dog, comes, how you feel, you licked, if a person's got liquor over himself, he spilled over how we feel. Imagine shaitan is constantly blowing and spitting upon us. And prodding us. How, would we, how is our body not affected by that? So to cleanse our body from the filth of shaitan, we read, etc., etc. Blow out our hands and wipe the body. As Rasulullah that's what he used to do. He used to wipe the body as many spots as he could get. From head to toe. Back, arms, legs, thighs, uh, feet, stomach, whatever you can. As much as you possibly can do to yourself. You want to make sure, and you can imagine as I explain to you this, that you are getting rid of the spit and the blowing of shaitan upon us. So this is the dua Rasulullah is performing in tahajjud time. He's making dua. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you. I seek refuge in Allah. All hearing, all knowledgeable. Min ash-shaytan rajim from the accursed shaytan. Min hamazi from his prodding. Wa nafaqi from his blowing. Wa nafathi and we blows with some saliva. The Prophet ﷺ would teach his sahaba that if you wake up at night and you're afraid, Abdullah ibn Amr al anhu says that the Prophet ﷺ said, when one of you wakes up Scared in his dream. Maybe you had a nightmare today or last night. Well, then now you know what to do if it, Allah forbid it happens again. I seek refuge in the complete words of Allah. From Allah's anger. From Allah's punishment. From the evil of Allah's servants. وَمِنْ هَمَزَاتِ shayateen, And from the evil promptings of shaitan. يَحْضُرُونِي And from them becoming present with me. Who? Shayateen. Because when they come, then they're gonna prod and prompt. 
You know, if someone were to say, there's a shaitan, you want to go see him, who would, who would be excited to see that? I don't think so, any one of us would. So, it's not about, yeah, shaitan is not going to slap you in the face or something like that. No, when shaitan comes present, that's what he does. He sits there and starts whispering things. He sits right next to you and puts you to sleep in a bayan. What about sleeping in a bayan? Is this sakina? Or is this from shaitan? Tell me. Huh? Omar, what do you say? See? Maybe we can ask Shahrukh what he says. Nabi sallallahu said in a hadith that three, seven things are from shaitan. One of them, he says in hadith of Tirmidhi, ru'af, bleeding from the nose. Bleeding from the nose, especially in salah. Okay, there's seven things he mentions. There. And one of the things he mentions is an-nu'asu fil wa'ad. Did you know that? An-nu'asu fil wa'ad. What does nu'as mean? Drowsiness during, during some type of advice or bayan. During the type when you're listening to a talk, any type of, of drowsiness that comes, this comes from shaitan. This is a hadith from Tirmidhi. So this, huh? Forgetfulness in salah and yeah, all those other, exactly. There's many other things. So this is what we understand that a person comes, he comes, drives one hour to go listen to the bayan. Two hours sometimes. And then as soon as he sits there, he starts snoring. He try, the night he's taking sleeping pills to sleep. He's telling his wife, man, I can't, I can't go to sleep. She's like, I want to go to sleep. But you go do your own thing. I'm, I'm sleeping. But in the bayan, mashallah, the people are stopping him. Bye. Please, yaar, this is distru- we can't hear the bayan. You're snoring so loud. How many times has it happened over here? People snore so loud. I bet you the same person probably can't fall asleep at night. But in the bayan, they're sleeping. Where is this coming from? This is coming from shaitan. This is not sakina. That they say, go out and i'tikaf in jamaat and mashallah. Sleep properly. No, this is shaitan. He says, It shouldn't happen that accidentally you listen to something beneficial and you change your life. So he allows you to come to the... He tried to, first of all, never let you to come to the tafsir. And once you arrive there, make you, he put you to sleep. This, this is ajeeb. The Prophet ﷺ actually made nisbah of tanweem towards shaitan. He said, read tasbih, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, ilaha illallah, after every salah, and before you go to bed. And there's so much ajar, so much ajar in just doing what we so-called in our Indo-Pak continent call it Tasbih Fatimi. Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah, Akbar. Before you go to bed and after every salah. And Rasulullah mentioned so many great virtues for it. Okay. So then some of the Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, who would want to do? Who would not do this? This is so obvious. We're all going to do it. You're saying it's so much ajar. Why just so much ajar? Because very few are going to do it. But why are very few going to do it? This is so easy. So he said, when you are going to be, as soon as you finish your salah, or even before your salah, shaitan will come to you and will say, Uthkur kada wa kada, remember this and remember that, remember this and that, things that you never thought about before, and he will just ensure that you just after salam, you get up and move. You're not going to do anything and sit in the lobby and talk. Look how loud it gets in the lobby. Just watch today, Isha time. Right? Everyone's rushing. You think that there's a fire broke out at home. Everyone's rushing. They're just back in, they're just waiting for the Qawwaw's child to show up. <laughs> right? Subhanallah. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam made nisbah towards shaitan. That you're gonna sit down. He said, You pull out your tasbih, all of a sudden, man, I got it. my son's waiting, my daughter's waiting, fulan thing, fulan thing. But no one, they can wait one minute. How long does it take? Subhanallah 33 times, Alhamdulillah 33 times, Allah 34 times. It won't take you more than two minutes, one minute. But he won't let you do that. And then he said, What about nighttime? He said, you sit down to do the dhikr, you know, shaitan will come, literally is the word, shaitan will put you, lullaby, put you to sleep. 
And before you know it, you didn't. You said you slept peacefully. Yeah, you slept peacefully. Unfortunately, while missing all your athkar, he won. You understand? So this is how Shaytan works with us. The Nabi Sallallahu himself said he makes you sleep in in places where you shouldn't be sleeping, and makes you forget the tasbih that you're supposed to have. So we should make the strong resolve now after hearing this that we do our tasbihat before we go to bed. It's even before we're sitting on our bed. Like, you know, while you're still on your couch or kitchen table, you're at your kitchen table, do, do your athkar there. If you know that as soon as you go on your bed, you fall asleep. And similarly, after salah, every single time you think that I gotta go, tell yourself, uh-uh, no. Tell yourself, no. I'm gonna finish my dhikr before I stand up. Two rakat, extra two rakat nafil, it's not gonna kill anyone. We can do it. And anyone who says to you, someone's waiting, or you have to do this, you have to do that, you got to tell yourself, That's what you should read. In this dua right here. Read this dua. Nabi said, If you get up from the dream at night, from a bad dream, and you read this dua which I just read in front of you. Read this then this dream will not harm you. This dream will not harm you. There are books, entire books of isti'adha. Different forms of seeking protection in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from shaitan. And these are things that we should memorize or at least read. Like you have salawat book. Have any of you seen an isti'adha book? Yes. I think we have many copies of it Free for distribution too I think so from England Possibly I'm not sure But we can check in the bookstore Here It's books just like four Books of isti'adah Small booklets And they have all from Quran and Hadith A compilation of du'as for protection From different ways to protect ourselves uh, From shaitan In Allah Azza wa Jal from shaitan Some ulama have said we have to seek protection Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from those evils that are presently found. For example, you're in pain. You're, you're in pain right now. What are you supposed to do? Put your hand on the place of pain and read, min ma I seek refuge in, in the honor of Allah and in the might of Allah from the evil of what I am feeling and in the evil of what I'm afraid I will feel. You have a headache, you have a stomach ache, you have a toe ache, put your hand on that spot and recite this dua. This is because it's actually present right now. Number two is a f- protecting yourself from an evil that isn't happening right now, but may happen in the future. For example, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min adabi jahannam wa min adabi al-qabr. It's not present right now. Hopefully not in the, even in the future. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from the adab of jahannam and the adab of the qabr. And similarly, we have to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, for khair that is present, that it should not be taken away from us. Allahumma na'udhu bika min zawari ni'matik. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from your blessings being taken away from me. Wa tahawwali afiyatik from peace and afia and well-being that I'm enjoying right now, from that moving away from me to someone else. And then number two is khair that you don't have right now 
but you're asking for in the future. Allahumma inni a'as'aluka min al-khayri kulli. O Allah, I ask you for all good. Ajilihi wa ajili. That which will come much later and that will come now. Wa'a'udhu bika min al-sharri kulli. And I seek refuge in you, ya Allah, from all evil. That which will come later on and that which is coming now. So, this is one dua from amongst many du'as that we learn from Quran and Hadith where we are sought to refuge, to seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the promptings. And seeking refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the shayateen being present. So beloved friends, let us now ask ourselves, how come sometimes a thought comes to me? And I say, A'udhu billahi min shaitan rajeem and yet I still go ahead and do what I wasn't supposed to do. Like miss my prayer, go to sleep before praying, or buy something which was not halal. I said, I'll be Allah Rajim and did it. So the I'll be Allah Rajim lip service, just moving your tongue doesn't get you anywhere. This is just a shakal. This dua is just what you're going to call the gun with the cartridge without bullets. Bullet is your sincerity, bullet is your crying, bullet is you begging Allah. Otherwise, a gun by itself, empty cartridge didn't do no good. These ta'wud, you're shooting at shaitan, is not going to get you anywhere. It has to come from the bottom of your heart. Where you're beseeching Allah and saying, Allah, I'm done. That's it. I have no one besides you to get me out of this mess. To get me out of this sin. To get me out of this problem. If you're sincere and if I'm sincere, then even one time saying, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem, can get us out of a mess. And always remember, anytime you want to do something good and you start getting cold feet, that coldness is not coming from the fan. The coldness is coming from shaitan blowing on your feet. Saying no. So you have to think, use your aql and say, Ya Allah, allow me to understand when, where, how I am being deceived by my devil and my nafs. So that I do not fall for it. But it's very hard. How many people in the height of anger can control the anger and realize that what I'm about to say to my spouse, to my Muslim brother or sister, to my business partner, to my client is wrong. This is just going to ruin me, my business, ruin my relationship, and ruin my relationship with my spouse or my kids. Most people, they don't. They can't think about it. They just go on and on. And if you try to even advise them, they'll get mad. So that's why we have to ask Allah. Ya Allah, allow me to have the basira and the foresight to understand when I am under attack. It's scary because the attack of shaitan is so silent. It's colorless, it's odorless, it's shapeless. It just comes and goes. And he's so, such a master of it that we don't even realize that it's shaitan. That's why this is called khannas. What's khannas? Khannas is the one who comes, whispers and runs away. Like a little child to come and pull his sister's ponytail and run away. Huh? She's thinking, well, who did this? Right? Or someone comes and flicks a ear and runs away. That's what shaitan does. He comes and puts a thought and walks away. And you're like, and you, someone advised, brother, don't fall into the trap of shaitan. He said, no, 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 this is not shaitan. This is my own opinion. That's not his own opinion. That's what shaitan did. He put the thought in his mind and he ran away. So you look back, there's no one there. Oh, well, that must be my educated next step. That must be my informed decision not to do XYZ or to do XYZ. In reality, it's all shaitan. 
But he plays it so well, the game, he doesn't allow you to realize that it's he who's done, who's put these thoughts in your mind. This is why before we make any step, continuously, continuously seek refuge in Allah, I think this day and age we should make this our wird. We usually talk about istighfar a thousand times, salawat a thousand times, or a hundred times, whatever. But a'udhu billahi min rajim we don't, realize, we, don't, we don't read it as much as we should. But we need to. I said anytime you want to do something good, can anyone give an example from the Qur'an? Where this is mentioned? When you want to do something good? Ji. Start reciting Qur'an. Jazakumullah khairah. فَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنَ فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ When you begin to, when you make intention to start reciting the Qur'an, say, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ you think, there's something good. You say when something bad. Why are we saying, when we start reciting the Quran? And that is because as soon as you take your hand towards the Quran, what's going to happen? All of a sudden, you're going to remember a thousand things that you forgot. Once you sit down to read, all of a sudden, you start to feel the feeling asleep, falling sleepy. Right? Falling very sleepy. And then all of a sudden, your phone starts ringing. And all sorts of ajeeb things start happening. So that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, anytime you want intention to start reading Quran, say, A'udhu Billahi Rajim, because Shadish Khabis will not let you read. And then when you start reading, He won't let you continue reading. And when you're continuing reading, He will not allow you to focus. He won't allow you to read with tajweed. won't allow you to read for a long time. So anytime you stand up to read Quran, seek refuge in Allah from the cursed shaitan. Or Allah forbid, He will make you misunderstand the verses of the Quran. I met a someone who was memorizing Quran and left the fold of Islam. I asked him, when did you leave the fold of Islam? He said, on such and such day, I opened up, it was Surah Al-Kahf, was on Friday, I said, let me read the translation. I started reading the translation, I said, no, this is all false. After memorizing over 20 Jews of the Quran, he left Islam. Inna lillahi wa may Allah guide him. So what is that? That just shaitan got him at that time. If he simply asked the meaning of those verses, he would have gotten an answer. But when, sh- when you don't, another point I'll tell you, when you don't ask help from your teachers, when you don't call your shaykh, when you don't ask your help from your parents, and you continue down a path, a trajectory of towards kufr, haram, shubuhat, jahannam, you know definitely that's from shaitan. Because if you're thinking with your right state, of, if you're in a right state of mind, and you're confused about something, you would immediately pick up the phone and call. Text message. Like everything else. فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ if you don't know, ask. Allah says, if you don't know, ask. Why is it then that people don't ask? I have seen this many times with people who leave Islam uh, and who go away from the deen. And the, the reason they leave is so simple. Ten minutes you can answer it. People, uh, you know, ten minutes that misconception can be removed about a masjid or about their teacher or about whatever. But this shaitan mal'oon doesn't simply allow them to ask. And he says, no, I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to ask. I'm just... I'm just I made a decision. So let's not become too strong on our decisions, thinking that it's all from us every time. That is why Rasulullah said, the one who makes mashwara and the one who does istikhara. Two things. Whoever does istikhara and whoever does mashwara will never become a loser. And will never become remorseful. You won't become remorseful and you won't lose out if you do two things. Istikhar and mashura. Why is that? Because if shaitan does get to you and I, 
When we ask someone, <clears throat> there's a less chance that shaitan immediately beat, beat us to him. Can happen, by the way, I'm being honest. Can happen sometimes. But many times, if you ask at least three, four people, inshallah, they will not all be able to hopefully give you a wrong opinion. And then number two, you're doing istikhara. You're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help. So that's another way of being protected. So whenever we want to make decisions and our decisions are, we don't know what direction to go, we should not become arrogant and say, I'm right, I will not ask. Instead of, instead of that, seek help. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then mentions the ultimate scene when shaitan attacks. Ya Allah, please protect me from shaitan's presence. What is the most dangerous time for shaitan's presence? Anyone want to give an idea? Of course, when you enter your home, when you eat, the Prophet ﷺ said that. When you eat, he said, seek refuge. The Prophet ﷺ said, Sahih Muslim riwayah. Shaitan comes to any one of you in all of his affairs. To the extent that he is present at the time of his food. So that is why when a luqma, a, food, a, a morsel of food, a morsel of food falls from your hand, he should remove any type of dirt that has fallen under the food, and then he should eat it. Why? Do not leave this morsel of food for shaitan. Any that leftover food and that you don't pick up from the floor, who eats it? Shaitan. When you finish eating, lick your fingers. Because he doesn't know, you don't know, in which morsel of food is barakah. So at the time of food he's eating, I'm sure we remember it was this dua, Bismillah wa barakatillah. And if you forget the dua, then we recite what? Bismillah awwalahu wa akhirahu. In the name of Allah at the beginning. Mebhulya, I forgot at the beginning. So I, I recite, say Bismillah at the beginning, and I say Bismillah at the end. The Prophet said that when you recite Bismillah at the beginning or at the end, then Shaitan who is sitting next to you and has been eating the entire time as you are eating because he's always with us everywhere you, you, you will see that he will end up vomiting everything out because you've taken the name of Allah when a person enters his house and says Bismillah the shayateen talk to each other and say lakum. sorry we gotta go crash at someone else's house he said Bismillah we can't, we can't sleep here tonight and if he doesn't say Bismillah when entering the home, they call one another and they say, dinner is here and sleep is here as well. So he's with us everywhere. To the extent when a person, in his most intimate moments of his life, shaitan is present there as well. It's shocking. No one is there, but shaitan is there. Unless a person recites the dua. Otherwise, in that extremely intimate situation too, imagine shaitan is having a share in that. This is mentioned in our uh, tradition, in our sunnah. Okay, but what is, what, is the, what is the most dangerous situation? Moat. Thank you. Who said that? Moat. 
And this is where the next ayah goes to. حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءَ أَحَدَهُمُ الْمَوْتِ Until when death comes to one of them, قَالَ رَبِّ رْجِعُونَ He says in regret, O my Lord, return me to the life in this world. There is a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, اللَّهُمَّ إِنِّي أَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ أَنْ يَتَخَبَّتَنِيَ الشَّيْطَانُ عِنْدَ الْمَوْتِ Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you. I, see, I seek refuge in you. I beg you for protection from shaitan overtaking me at the time of death. My beloved friends, waking up for Fajr. I've given this example before. Sometimes it may happen to you that you wake up for, you're, you're being waking up for Fajr and you have no realization of it. Overtired. You may even say that you already prayed. And you're not lying. You actually think you actually prayed. But, neither have you prayed, neither have you woken up. It's being made to seem like that to you. And later on, you realize, subhanAllah, I can, that was so true. I can dream of what was recited in salah by the imam. I went and gone, etc. What is this? This is shaitan. Allah has given him the ability to play with us to this degree. You might li listen to this and say, my God, this is hard, man. How are you going to overcome this? And that's a reality. It is, it is impossible to overcome this without Allah's protection. Impossible. It is that hard. It is that difficult. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I was giving this example recently as a nice example that came to mind. I said, when you have a, a novel, or a, 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 a movie, or whatever the case may be, and there is a hero, and the opposite of the hero is a villain. It's a two and a half hour movie, or it's a 500 page uh, uh, novel. The villain, you think he's gonna die in the first page? Huh? Flimsy, with a little flimsy arrow, you threw it and he died. What's, who's going to read the, go on to the next page? The, the director or the author will equip the villain with all sorts of various tools, various methods and ways to always escape the hero. Just thought you got him, he'll escape. Just as soon as you thought you got him, he'll escape. Until the last few minutes or the last page is when eventually, barely by a second, Barely by one extra arrow does the hero overcome the villain. Is that how it goes? So subhanAllah, I was thinking the other day that this would apply to us and shaitan as well. The villain has been created by the narrator, by the director, by the author. Intentionally he's been created with all sorts of amazing tools and feats to evade the hero. Similarly, shaitan has been created by Allah. Specifically to be our test, to be our enemy. And if he was an easy peasy, really easy person we can knock out, then there would be no reason for us to be promised Jannah for overcoming him. That's the whole plot. That's why it's not over until death. Because we're constantly going back and forth with this struggle. If you say this is hard, I haven't even talked much about it actually, what other powers Allah has given shaitan. But just understand that you could be leading a life, whole life as a, as a Muslim, but if Allah doesn't assist us, shaitan could hijack it at the very last moment. And the death, how the situation that your death comes upon is what you and I will be raised upon. A person led a life of 90 years of ibadah, in the last five minutes or the five hours, he's misled, that's what will count. It's tough, very tough. Allah has intentionally done that. He wants to see us begging Him for protection. 
That's why I told you reading Awad Billah, Mishthar Najib and all these du'as may not necessarily change your life if you are not putting focus and effort and du'a and, and humility in those du'as. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when one of them will be faced with death, he will beg what every one of them will beg. They say he died in peace. No one is dying peacefully if they died without Islam. I promise you. Everyone is begging. You can't see it. Who says that? The Quran says that. Allah Azza wa Jal says, نَحْنُ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْكُمْ وَلَكِنْ لَا تُبْصِرُونَ We are closer to the dying man than you all. وَلَكِنْ لَا تُبْصِرُونَ But you can't see. We can see. We're right next to him. You are holding his hand. We're inside. Yani our angels and the angel of death. They're much closer to the dying man than you are. And so similarly, shaitan shows up at the scene. Shaitan shows up in the hospital room. Shaitan shows up at the accident scene. And he is doing all different types of things. You've heard the famous story of Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, rahimahumullah, where he, this great, great, one of the greatest giants of the Islamic history. Not only the founder or the, the, the one who the Hanbali school of thought is referred back to, but beyond that, one of the greatest muhaddithun we have ever had. And he took, he took a stand when everyone else took the back seat that the Qur'an is an attribute of Allah and not a creation of Allah and was whipped and lashed mercilessly tens and tens and tens of times while all the scholars gave up. So at the time of his death, he asked for water and his son brought him a glass of water and he was going back and forth between consciousness and unconsciousness. And he told his son, لا بعد not yet. He kept on saying to his son, not yet. Eventually when he, re- when he gained his consciousness fully, his son said, gave him the water and he said, what happened my father? Why were you saying not yet? Because he thought maybe not yet, no, I don't want the water yet or what? He said, no, shaitan had come to me. Shaitan had come to me. And he told me, Ya Ahmad, oh Ahmad, futtani, you have escaped my grasp. I tried, but, but I failed. I tried, but I failed. And I was telling shaitan, not yet. It's not over. You, this is your final, final attack on me. As soon as I think, that I am safe, you got me. Because Allah is watching that. As soon as Allah thinks that you, Allah knows that you think you're in a safe place, He says, done. If you don't think you need me, alright, I'll let you at the mercy of shaitan. Let's see what he does to you. As soon as a person thinks, I am too pious to fail, too sincere to fail, too generous to fail, too muttaqi to fail. As soon as this thought comes to you, I'm too wealthy to be enticed by money. Too handsome to be incised by someone beautiful. Whatever. As soon as this thought comes to you, that's it. Game over. Because shaitan, Allah says, okay, I'm out. And as soon as Allah outs, shaitan comes in. It's like literally between us and a group of a hundred hungry, hungry pit bulls is one thin, you know, fence. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pushes the button and removes that fence, we are gonna be minced meat in seconds. So Imam Ahmad subhanAllah he said at that time, not yet. Until death does not come to me fully, shaitan can still deceive me. And there are many other amazing stories of this sort. So this is something that's why we have to all beseech and beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya Allah, please protect me throughout my life and protect me at the time of death. Allah minna na'udhu fitnatil mahya wal mamat. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from the fitna of life and the fitna at the time of death.
And that's what no one can ever tell you what they're going through. We just have to listen to what Quran and Hadith talk about. But if the dying people could speak after they had passed away, they would tell us of what happens when they go through that. Inshallah, we'll try our. Uh, uh, 45, right? Yeah. Okay, so. Let me just read one more ayah, 100, and then we'll stop. What will he be begging? He'll be saying, so, please let me go back so that, I may be, so that I may do righteousness and believe in what I previously left behind. Allah will say, Kalla. No, indeed. Absolutely not. This wish is not granted. But then why, why is this guy saying it? Like, Allah says, all of them are going to say it. Inna kalima. It is but an empty word that a such one utters. And he, there's every single person is going to say this who is a disbeliever and who is a hypocrite and who is a sinful person. Please let me go back. Please let me go back. And not one of them, their wish will be granted. It's just meant to happen that you're going to be saying this. That's why you're saying it. And behind them, there is a barrier. Barzakh, a barrier that is sealed off from the world. Until the day they are raised up to life. Basically, when a person dies, the wall comes in, there's no way you can go back. The world can turn upside down, inside out. But this soul that has departed cannot. You know, they say this in the airport. Once a plane departs, can't come back. They say that, right? You miss, please, please, can I catch it? So no one's departed. But we've seen many cases. If there's a heart attack of someone on the plane, they're going to bring it right back. Right? If, there's an airplane, if a bird comes into the jet, they'll bring it right back. So there's nothing in the world that's impossible. But they say that. But this is, according to Allah, impossible. Once a person leaves this world, he's never going to come back. So whatever you want to do is opportunities right now. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to value every minute of ours and may He give us this unbelievable level of protection from the shaitan and may He grant us uh, the ability to remain alert and awake whenever, however we're under the attack. That we realize that this is not us. We're good people inshallah. But it's the shaitan that is trying to uh, cause problems to our life. Arguments, fights, taking us away from the masjid, taking us away from students of knowledge, of seeking ilm, taking us away from practicing the ilm, and so forth. Inshallah, we, next week, we'll tr- we will try our best to complete the surah. So I request everyone to make sure you're here next week to complete uh, Surah Al-Mu'minun. And we'll have some special uh, snacks as well, and which we'll, we'll send on text message. If you're on the part of the updates group, you will receive what we have in stock for you, inshallah, next week. Um, so if you want to ask any questions right now, slido.com, 272-7514, 272-7514. And uh, we have about 10 minutes for, for, for jama'ah. So let's quickly, inshallah, take a few questions. Also, a couple announcements. We have our Saturday morning Team Fajr breakfast. We're looking for some host. So if you'd like to host one of these breakfasts, we need, inshallah, for the next few months. Um, if brothers can raise their hand. And would, would, would be wanting to host one of the team fudgers We can inshallah get your information Main thing is besides the breakfast that we will purchase or buy You don't have to worry about that The main thing is you get your guest list Inviting your family and friends to attend the, the Saturday Fajr talk uh, and, of course, and, and whatever cost there is But the main thing is to invite people Is there anyone here who would like to take one of the uh, team fudger breakfast In the next few months um, If you can just raise your hand Inshallah or coordinate with Monan Farhan um, or if you're listening online, then you can just text message us that which day, which Friday, which Saturday you would like to take. <clears throat> the question is, how do I put out my, how do I put myself out there in a halal manner so I can find a spouse? Um, 
a person needs to first realize exactly what type of spouse you're looking for, and then you'll find that type of spouse in that place. If a person is looking for a place of, uh, you know, uh, of deen, then you'll find those type of people in deeny gatherings. And traditionally, our, our, in the traditional method would be where our, our relatives would assist us, our siblings, our parents. So if our parents and our siblings and others, say the opposite gender sibling, I mean, would come to gatherings, places, wherever you think you'll find your future spouse, then they can assist you in that, in that manner. And then nowadays we have um, also many uh, websites that are, that are good. Many people, if, you, if you're sincere, looking for a spouse through that, then inshallah, ta'ala, that will also, you know, uh, can you get this password? I don't know. Uh, even, even that method is also, you know, acceptable through different apps and, and sorry, you know, different websites. And remember this hadith, Rasulullah said, There's three people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken responsibility of assisting them. One of them is الأفاف, a person who wants to get married to remain chaste. A person who wants to get married to remain chaste. Allah is taking responsibility uh, to help him. So we should have that hope, inshallah. Uh, in Indo-Pak, they say hisar kishna in a halal manner, or no? Halal, halal. Uh, uh, is this is this permissible? Hisar is permissible. Hisar is simply read. Rasulullah SAW did that himself uh, in Laylatul Jinn. There's an incident called Laylatul Jinn, where Rasulullah SAW <coughs> recited surahs and he he mentioned to one Sahabi to stay put. He said, "Don't come out of this." Then he went to give dawah or to speak to the jinns and give them dawah. He came back and the sahabi was so worried. He said, Ya Rasulullah, I heard all sorts of scary voices and I really was going to come looking for you. And he said something along the lines that if you left this spot, you, wouldn't, you would cease to exist. You know, they would have killed you. So that was a hisar. So reading Ayatul Kursi, reading your four quls and manzil uh, and uh, blowing around your body, inshallah, that is, you know, what, is, uh, what you could say a hisar. Um, What do you do if you fear that encouraging non-practicing family members will annoy them and push them further away? Well, we have to do this in, with muhabba and love. We have to win each other's heart. A person should not be constantly pushing and agitating someone. I agree. It's going to only push them over. So, but, see, that's, 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 that's a problem. You have to strike the right balance. Some people say, oh, I don't want to be pushy. But then on the other side of it, they don't do anything. Months go by, they haven't told them, let's go to the masjid. If imagine, I'll tell the dads who are here and moms. Imagine your son says, "Mom, Dad, I'm dropping out of college." Okay, what would you do? Dropping out of high school, what would you do? Do you just say, "Nay, you know, the kid, he's going to become rebellious. I don't want to tell him anything." Maybe you would, but you figure out how. You'll do therapy. You'll make du'a. You will try to come, entice him somehow or another to make sure he goes back to school or college. So similarly, when a person is not coming to the masjid, we have to figure out ways to entice them to come back to the deen with, uh, you know, carrots, more than likely not sticks, but, you know, different, different ways. Let's go to a program, let's go to a, we're going to a wedding, we're going to play basketball, we're going to eat out, and then it just happens to be Isha time. It happens to be Maghrib time. Let's stop by for 10 minutes. Different ways, for example. This upcoming retreat, I think is an awesome opportunity for someone to come. Just coming into that environment of the retreat, inshallah, will be life-changing. 
So, you know, Memorial Day weekend, May 26, May 28, bring people, inshallah, and they will, they will inshallah, have a great benefit. <clears throat> when you say that dua, is, is it better to read the entire verse and include the word qul or say just a part of the dua? No, recite the entire, the entire ayah of the Quran. Uh, when, when I enter and I say Bismillah, what about other family members do not? Inshallah, you, you keep on saying it out loud, and we hope through that barakah, others will also start saying it. <clears throat> Can, what is the correct way to do istikhara? Pray two, uh, two rakat salat, salatul istikhara with proper wudu, focus, concentration, devotion, and recite whatever, come, whatever you can recite. And then recite, says, says, praise Allah, send salutations upon the Prophet, recite the dua of istikhara, and that's it. Now, there's, dreams are not necessary. It may come, it may not come. Doesn't have, nowhere is it mentioned dream in the hadith. Speci- dreams are mentioned in hadith, yes. There's a big share of that. But not with istikhara. Uh, so sometimes it, it comes, sometimes it doesn't. The dua of istikhara, you don't have to do it at night only. You can pray throughout the day after every salah. Can someone else do that dua of istikhara for you? Someone else, can all, someone else can also read dua for you. You can ask 10 people, can you make dua for me? That, uh, what is dua? Ya Allah, if this is good for me, make it happen. If it's not good, then avoid it from me. That's it. So you can ask people like that. But someone is saying that, uh, you know, I don't know if they have some paying service, you pay a service to do istikhara for you. Is there such a Hey, yeah, see, no. So these things, har cheez mil jayega aapko, mashallah. So, so these type of things, Darussalam does not offer, and and it's not, I would never get involved in something like that. This is bakwas, right? That you pray someone to do istikhara. Don't not do stuff like that. What is the hukum of nahi al munkar? Uh, any preconditions? Yes, this is a good topic. <clears throat> I think. Um, Uthman Hajj addressed it somewhere, forgetting where. But there are you know, prerequisites for that. One of the things that I talked about today was that the, the, the uh, chance of, there's a good chance that the person is going to listen. If you know that this person is going to become absolutely agitated and is going to go opposite, then in that case, Nahyal Munkar might not be the best thing to do, prohibiting from evil. Instead, Amal Maruf would be better. Just simply bringing him to a good environment. And don't talk about the sin that they're involved in. And as a, especially nahi al-munkar, depending on what level of it is, uh, is uh, yeah, you need to have ilm for that. Amal ma'roof is open for everyone. Nahi al-munkar, some of the, you know, publicly for sure, should be done by people of knowledge. At home, in a nice manner, yes, you may take care of that. But publicly, this should be done with people of knowledge. When listening to Islamic lectures online that take place in the past, should we say Ameen after the dua? Yes, why not? You are at that moment, you should focus on the dua is being made. And inshallah, this dua, bidhnillah ta'ala, will count for you as well. Petition to make candlelight conversations a regular program. Jazakallah. Um, uh, <laughs> so what part of it? Is it the conversation or is it the candlelight? Huh? Because <laughs> I don't know how many of you want to come here 1 to 3 a.m. You know, um, so do you like the conversational part? Inshallah, this re- upcoming retreat, we will have uh, a good chunk of our our programs will be similar. It will be conversations. So uh, because they are very important topics, and I know back to back, back to back talks become a little bit tiring. So we are going to change the setup in this retreat, Inshallah, and hopefully we'll stick with that. That many of our talks will be converted into panels, and hopefully, Inshallah, people will benefit uh, from that.
Subhanallah bihamdi subhanakallah bihamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh